0: welcome to real life moms i'm your host lisa foster and real life moms is a podcast that's all about moms having real conversations sharing resources and telling their inspiring stories our mission is to connect moms by talking about these topics that parents deal with every day and to continue these conversations in our real life moms facebook group where we would love for you to become part of our community and this week i'm joined by candace kingston she's a mother a wife a speaker an author and a leadership coach who works with small business owners and high-level professionals to help them grow personally and professionally. The working title of her upcoming book is Imposter Moment, breaking through the internal roadblocks of self-doubt and imposter syndrome. Her superpower is uncovering roadblocks that may be holding you back from reaching your true potential and creating a life and business that you love. And today, Candace helps us explore the subject of imposter syndrome, roadblocks, and limiting beliefs. See how this topic has affected her personally and professionally. Hi, Candace, Welcome to Real Life Moms. And I'm really excited about discussing this topic today. So honestly, I got really nervous as I was thinking of coming on and talking to you because we are talking about imposter syndrome. And all I can think about is like, the self-doubt just flowing out of me. <laughs> and so I'm both excited and I'm feeling this might be really therapeutic for me too. I'm <laughs> I love it. I love
1: it. That's so like, that's what happens to me. I'm in interviewing people about imposter syndrome for my book. And I'm like, wait a second, I have imposter syndrome right now. So I love that you said that. And thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to talk more about it. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So um my name is Candace, obviously, and mm-hmm. I live in Denver with my husband and and three um, I can't even really say teenage boys anymore. Let's see, 20, 18, and sixteen. Oh wow, boys, and one just moved out. I worked in corporate and health insurance for about twelve years, and really did not uh, align with that very well. And so it was so great when I finally figured out what I wanted to do and kind of use my psychology degree a little bit, um, mm-hmm. getting into coaching. It was a, a really great transition and a way to help people and still, you know, just enjoy my life. So yeah, that's kind
0: of a little bit about me. Yeah. And, and the big thing too, is that you're in this process of launching a book called "Imposter Moment, Breaking Through the Internal Roadblocks of Self-Doubt and Imposter Syndrome. Is that right? Yes. yes that's, and that is a working title. So a, I was going to say there's so much in it, but, but the title kind of freaks me out. <laughs> Actually, I'm like, roadblocks, self-doubt. Oh my God, I got to read it. Well, with all this background um, and writing this book, how do you even define imposter syndrome? Because I think about it all the time. And and you kind of know what it is, but I could never explain it.
1: Right. Well, and it's interesting. Um, I would say pretty much everyone I've talked to whether it's informally or formally, you know, in an interview has said that they have felt a moment at in time when they've had this. And the few people that have said, you know, not really, not me. They, they, Can at least relate to being younger and feeling it, and then at some point getting like a mentor to help them, or a coach, or whatever it was that they figured out. Oh wait, there is a way to not feel these feelings, and they have figured it out and moved on with their lives. So while Mm -hmm. I probably can't say I'm totally on the other side of this, I think I'm better now than I was. Let's just put it that way because I have learned a lot of great techniques. And Mm -hmm. what definition is? So sorry, let me go back to that. So when we we don't have self-worth and we have these feelings of just not being good enough or like we don't belong maybe. Um, maybe like the other shoe is going to drop at any moment. You know, your your boss says, hey, can you come talk to me for a minute after lunch? You're just dreading it because mm. you're walking down the hall thinking I'm getting fired. That's imposter syndrome. It's those moments when, I mean, there's, there's more definitions. <laughs> there are more. So another one would be when you feel like people are giving you credit when you just feel like, oh no, that's not mm-hmm. me. You know, they're like, oh, you're amazing. You're this, you're that. And you're like, eh, I barely graduated high school or whatever your story is. Like mm-hmm. you might have your own story in your head and you feel like other people are giving you way too much credit for what you do. So those are all examples of imposter syndrome. For me, it's really about self-doubt. Mm-hmm. And, and the opposite of that is self-worth and maybe confidence. But when you can combat the imposter syndrome with really bolstering your own confidence and your own self-worth that's how you're able to get ahead of it.
0: And this could be not just one thing. So I, you're listing these things, right? And I'm like, Millions yes, things. yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I'm starting to get even more like <laughs> like nervous, okay? <laughs> so so it's not necessarily in one scenario. Like it's not like, okay, at work, I, I don't feel good enough or something. Mm-hmm. It, it could be across the board that you have this self-doubt. Because that's how I feel. I feel like I, honestly, I feel it all the time now that you're saying it, like, my boss was like, come talk to me in an email, right? And I was like, Oh, my God, what did I do? And it turned out like someone had, you know, I had a COVID exposure. I had it like, <laughs> you know, nothing big, right? Yeah. But I was like, and I'm good at my work. I was- But you know, that immediate reaction, or you know, oh, this person can do this better than me, or Mm -hmm. oh, ask your dad because he'll know the answer, even if I do, you know.
1: I use that one all the time. Yeah. Maybe you should talk to your dad. Maybe we should wait for dad to get home. Like why? (laughs) Right? Why? I don't know. We're good at what we do. I think um, I do think a lot of this stems from those early moments of not being good enough. So I always share this story. I had a client once that said when they were little, they were sitting in the classroom, like five or six years old, Teacher, you know, answered everyone else and then said to him, Hey, uh, we don't have time. You know, we're moving on, put your hand down. And that was it. He never raised his hand again. He said, I honestly swear to God, I have never raised my hand again, like all through high school, all through college never raised my hand because I just thought my question was not worthy and was not worth anybody's time. And I wasn't good enough for that. And so that example, I had said to him, actually, you know, most people don't have that moment in time that they can label. He's like, oh, I sure do. And he told that story. And so that's why I share that. For me, I don't have a story like that. Why do I have self-doubt? right? Mm -hmm. I don't have a specific moment in time when someone told me to be quiet or you're not good or you, or you suck or whatever. So I think we hear these things, um, whether it's directly or indirectly, maybe it's a message on TV that we heard and girls are stupid or whatever. So Who knows where these come from? And yes, therapy can help you and you might be able to uncover where that came from. And that might help if you really have a deep-seated problem with this. For the most part though, I think you don't need to know where it came from. You just need to know it's not true. And Mm. even if maybe it was true at some point, like it's no longer true. It's no longer serving you. Let's get over that story and let's move past. So
0: we don't need to know where it came from, which is good, right? But we need to know that it's not true, which is so important. I think that, I feel like I need that. That line all the time, you know, (laughs) just like, okay, you're something or feel something, but like, okay, that's not true. I think that's my new Mm. mantra. (laughs) I think I'm gonna use that. I love
1: the question. I think it's probably like a therapy question, but it's like, how true is that? Mm. And so if you say something, and you know, I mean, I used to say stuff to myself in the mirror all the time, especially in corporate, I would say the meanest things. You know, I'd walk into the bathroom at work and I'd be like, You're so bleeping, stupid. You know, mm-hmm. and like, yeah, it was terrible. And then I'd go to the bathroom, and I'd come out, wash my hands, and like, go back to my desk, and <laughs> like, yay, okay, I'm fine now. But it was so unhealthy. And if I could have had that language then to say, Candace, how true is that? You know, you're not stupid. You just did X, Y, Z, and and that's where you, the confidence comes from is really giving yourself the evidence to prove otherwise. And so that's sort of one of the tricks and tips to getting over imposter syndrome is saying to yourself, how true is that? And actually I got this award and I did this thing and it, and it could just be, I made breakfast this morning while recording a podcast or whatever. Maybe there was mm-hmm you did. It doesn't have to be an award or a degree. It can just be a little thing you did just Mm -hmm. to build up your own confidence.
0: Now you talk about kind of these inner roadblocks and limiting beliefs. Is this like kind of also the building blocks of the imposter syndrome too? or? I think they're
1: all very interrelated. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason why I call it your imposter moment is to me, it's not a syndrome. It's not a medical diagnosis. It's not even in the DSM four five, whatever version we're on for, you know, mental illnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a moment in time. And so to call it a syndrome, you know, you said you have it all the time and I bet there might seem like a lot of moments, but then there's a lot of moments when you don't have it. So it
0: right. mm-hmm.
1: would be like, you are literally suffering from this and you can't leave your room.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: um, a moment is just, it's just a moment in time. And that way we can look at it as such and be able to move on from it that much easier because we know, Oh gosh, I just had an imposter moment who like a senior moment or something. I don't know. <laughs> like, I just had an imposter moment, but I'm okay now. I'm over it. You know, I can get past it. Yeah,
0: (laughs) I love that. I love that. A moment. Yeah, because it also seems exactly like it's not this ongoing thing. It's just, okay, Mm -hmm. right now, I felt a little anxiety into mm-hmm. talking about this topic but now we're talking and I feel great. But going back to like those roadblocks and limiting beliefs, how how do you identify those? That's a good question. So, I like to think of like a hierarchy
1: almost. Mm-hmm. So, a gremlin to me is something, I mean, we all know it from like the movie from the 80s. A gremlin, I like to say is like that overarching message that maybe sits on your shoulder, this little gremlin and says you are not enough mm-hmm. or You are stupid. Maybe there's like a big message that just crushes all the other messages. So like that's kind of this little voice that you could call your inner critic or your gremlin. To me, limiting beliefs are sort of the little thoughts that come along all the time, all day long, but that they're little and they're just scattered. Sort of from that message, but maybe like, oh, you burned a pancake again, or mm-hmm. oh, you um, tripped on that stair. You do that every single time, or oh, you whatever. All those little niggling thoughts. Um, oh, you could never apply for a business loan. You're you're not smart enough for that, or you don't even know how that works, or mm-hmm. oh, you know, right? Like oh, you better check with your husband. <laughs> <before laughs> as dad, <laughs> you, right? Before you make a paint decision or whatever you're gonna. To ruin your life. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's all those little limiting beliefs that you just think I can't do this or I'm not good enough for that, but you're, but you're seeing it in a more day-to-day version. Mm-hmm. Um, and that those, I think definitely you can break down and, and you can really, first of all, dive into them. How true is it that I trip on that stair every day? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's <laughs> a, maybe that's a really little one, but that's okay. Right. How true is it that I am clumsy and I do that all the time? Well, you know, sometimes I, I move too fast. And yeah, I slipped downstairs or whatever. Maybe it's happened twice. So, I mean, you can kind of talk yourself around it and out of it in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, give yourself evidence to prove otherwise. And then you can give yourself a new belief. So a belief Mm -hmm. is just a thought we have over and over again. So if we've thought that thought so many times, like um, I'm clumsy. Let's just say that. And now it's ingrained. It's like a record groove. We've got to move the needle and give ourselves a new belief and so that could be, um, I move very quickly and I'm getting better at watching my step or something mm-hmm. like that, which sounds long, but you know, some kind of <laughs> version of yeah. like that. Like I'm working on being more swift in my steps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you might not believe yourself if you say, I'm not clumsy or, I'm so sure footed, like that might not be true and that might not feel true. So I don't want you to, to replace one lie with another, right? Mm-hmm. We want it to feel true. So maybe it's just I'm working on it or something like that. My yoga will help me with my balance, maybe.
0: Right. Right. Just you're uh-huh. you're changing your thought process, yeah. basically. Yeah. yeah.
1: Exactly. So,
0: because I feel like we go through our day-to-day and I feel like you can easily not even notice them, right? You're giving yourself this input, like I can't do that or I shouldn't do this. And totally. I, I think I cannot even notice that it is a roadblock and holding me back. Mm-hmm. So one thing I was thinking of is uh, when I started my own business and, mm-hmm. you know, I treat patients and I, yeah. they pay me directly, I don't take insurance. Yeah. And that was very difficult yeah. to take money. Like, so right. what I first <laughs> (laughs) started I mean the amount of free sessions I would do or you know give me a cookie or a dinner or something like that because what I had to really sit down with because then I had to pay rent you know for the Mm -hmm. office and that wasn't going well and all sorts of bills right so what I I had to really sit down and say okay like how do I feel feel about money you know and that was a whole that was a roadblock for me there was a lot of negative feelings towards money. And mm-hmm. if I had it, it changes me as a person. I could be greedy or I'm showy or like whatever those words are. Mm-hmm. And but I, I didn't know that until I had to like really sit down and, and do something about this not taking money thing mm-hmm. <laughs> for yeah. my job. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering, like, I feel like people are just going all around and not knowing what they're, you know, they're just right. stuck.
1: So here's, here's kind of um, a coach's version of that. As a coach, I'm always looking to move people forward. And so the red flags I listen for are things like I am late every day to everything I ever do, or I can't manage my email. It's totally out of control or I never have time or I can't ever go to Jimmy's soccer game or things like that. Like those are sort of those upper level, um, what I call red flags, like listen for that. And you know, there's sort of an underlying problem. So then the underlying problem. So let's just say your listeners would say, okay, yeah, I have heard myself say, um, I can't even keep my head on straight or whatever. So okay, now I have, I know that maybe there's something else going on, I'm going to start listening for some limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to actually keep a journal. So great exercise to do. If you start to feel like you're trying to control things a lot, or maybe you're being extra judgmental about things, you can keep or having limiting beliefs, you can keep a little journal to track those. And that's how you start to recognize them. Now, the secret to that is that you start to write down so many (laughs) of these things Mm -hmm. that your hand is cramping. And you're like, I have got to stop this. I've got I Nope, I'm not gonna let that thought come out because I have to write that one down again. Like you literally get so tired of writing. That you're mm-hmm. just like, I can't write another one. I've got to stop having these judgments or these limiting <laughs> beliefs. And so you kind of catch yourself in the moment. And that really is the the way that you can get over it is catching yourself in the moment. You mm-hmm. know, they say the first step of whatever knowing you have a problem is like admitting you have a problem or whatever. Right. So yeah. Like that. It's like have a limiting belief. Okay, there, I just caught it. Like I was just about to say that. And now I'm gonna write that down. And so I'm going to remember that one next time and I'm gonna just try to recognize it before it gets further along, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's definitely a key because like you said, people don't know they have them. So yeah, not everybody can do this because they might I mean, who's going to tell them that that's a limiting belief, but right. for your listeners like, okay, you're one step ahead of the game. You can now say, I have a limiting belief and I'm going to choose not to believe that anymore. And I'm going to work on getting over that one.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to write it down. I'm yep. going to try to have a, a different version. I have a, something more positive in its place. Yep. Right. Yep. And then, and then, and it sounds like then you're going to say it to yourself often. Right. Yeah, so that you yeah exactly. I mean, you can put the new in. belief. Right. You can put the new belief up on your
1: fridge or your mirror, or you're going to see it on your screen, on your phone or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, maybe it's just, I love money and I'm not greedy if I want more, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know, like whatever that, that is to help you be sure of yourself to ask for, you know, what you're worth. And maybe that's it. Like I am worthy of a good salary or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, you're going to just repeat that to yourself over and over again. And at first it might feel like a lie or it might feel not completely true, but just trust the process and know that it will, you'll work your way into that being true, not just feeling true, but actually
0: being true. And I have, I have worked on my issues with me. I have no problem with it now
1: and I I love it.
0: So (laughs) Awesome. I did, yeah. Yeah. It's a um, very
1: common thing, especially for entrepreneurs. You know, we yes, we yeah. And
0: and healthcare care. givers. Like, you oh, know, it, so yeah. In your
1: field for sure, for sure. I have a friend who's a therapist and kind of therapist slash coach and sort mm-hmm. of turned coach. And even the coaching, she's like, oh, I can't ask that much money that, you know, and she's used to paying like for sessions or getting paid for sessions and taking insurance and doing all of that. And it's, mm-hmm. it is a very undervalued service for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, yeah. definitely difficult, but I did work on it That's awesome. I, and, and, and it's, it's been amazing because it is, it feels much better. I enjoy my job, yeah. not having well, that piece to struggle with so I'm going to turn this back on you. So how did you, how did you
1: work on it? How did you do that?
0: I'll tell you, honestly, I, I am a big self-help girl. Um, And so I listened to like the whole secret and the Mm -hmm. Bob Proctors out there. Mm -hmm. And I think it was, It may have been think and grow rich that had a bunch of different are you familiar with that? Yes, that's a great Yeah. And it was great. And it just really put things in perspective for me. And I was able to kind of sit down and look back at like why I felt this way. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to turn it around and have a mantra like, you know, money is good. What am I gonna do with money? I'm going to help other people. I can see more people if I do you have money? I could take more classes to educate, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. It made it into, I had my mantra of where, you know, money would be good yep. and it really felt good. But I have to say it shifted everything. That's awesome. I, I mean, my business definitely became more prosperous. It was definitely more patience coming through. Mm-hmm. It, it did. It shifted everything. Just that mental state. It, it, I really saw the block in the road after mm-hmm on the other side. But yeah, so here's a question then. Um, What happens if um, you leave your imposter syndrome unchecked, or you don't do anything?
1: That's a great question. So I feel like imposter syndrome, you know, I talk about this in my book, my book is, I would say more directed at business owners, however everyone can read it and mm-hmm. definitely take something away. And I do talk about stories, not just about business owners. So it is for everyone, but it's just that my target audience and who I work with are more business owners. I feel like the most important thing for business owners is to see this in their employees, to, to recognize it in their employees, because if unchecked in, in the workplace, it could lead to a lot of problems, right? Just not even mm-hmm. trusting you know, you're just going to have some issues there. And the same thing goes with parents and their kids. So to answer your question, what happens if it goes unchecked? I really feel like imposter syndrome can lead to unhealthy relationships. It can definitely contribute to codependency because you're not trusting yourself. You're doubting yourself. And when you're codependent, People often think that you're controlling others when you're codependent, but really you're being controlled by this fear of something happening to that person or mm-hmm. to your family. And so then you're becoming codependent and it's almost like, because you don't trust yourself enough. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you had that, if you were sort of able to solve that by instilling self-worth or self-care or compassion or something like that. You would really be able to hold firm in what matters most. And you would be able to keep boundaries, right? And that's really important as a parent that we've set boundaries with our kids. Mm -hmm. So that's one pathway um, where imposter syndrome can get in the way. I think to the point of my book title, it's like, it's just one of the many roadblocks. (laughs) Imposter syndrome can really hold you back from asking for money, it can hold you back from hiring someone. It can hold you back from delegating when you're not trusting yourself or you're, you're doubting yourself to put it, you know, more frankly, I guess when you doubt the fact that, you know, Oh, I'm not really a good boss. How could I hire somebody? Then that's
0: not going to go very far in your business. That's not going to work. Yeah. So you were talking about how it can affect you as a parent. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Definitely.
1: And I I think, um, you know, listen, like the first time you probably felt imposter syndrome as a mom, or I guess I did, I should say not put this on you, but was well, first of all, getting pregnant. I'm like, wait a second, what? (laughs) I mean, I was trying, but I was also like, wait, did I really mean to do that? And Mm -hmm. then like in the hospital about to have a baby, can I even do that? Then they tell you to take the baby home. And that is the (laughs) Biggest moment of it. I mean, you're like, wait, we get to take this little thing home. Like, what are we gonna do with him? But um, oh my gosh, I remember my husband. We strapped our first baby into the car seat in the back, and I sat with him because of course that's what you do like on the first ride home. And my husband had the video camera. I kid you not. He was driving, he was starting to drive and he was facing us with the oh. video camera. Like record, like he just had like a brain fart. Like this would be a good idea to record our first drive home. And, and then he didn't like start the car. It wasn't like literally driving, but he was about to Like, realize you have a camera in your hand. Like you need to turn around. I mean, it was just one of those funny moments where you're like, oh my gosh, we've We're just, how can we be trusted to drive? But anyway, but yeah, I think as a parent dealt with this, I've got three older kids now, and this is not our first rodeo, but our third child was really struggling during the pandemic with depression and started smoking weed. Well, probably before the pandemic. And then it got way worse during the pandemic and being in lockdown and not being able to start high school. You know, he had to basically be online in his bed starting high school. It's kind of a weird thing. And things just went downhill very quickly. And I, I would say it was probably more codependency, but it was also some imposter syndrome because it was like, how, how would I ever know how to handle this? How would I ever know who to even ask for help? Like Mm -hmm. therapists don't really deal with that. Addiction counselors don't really deal with the depression. Like, where do we go for help? How do we do this? I have no idea. And, you know, it was a, a definitely difficult, we did find him some help. But I have to say for parents that have teenagers, there are not a lot of uh support groups or, or even rehabs. I mean, I'm in Colorado, and you would think maybe with what we have going on here, they should probably build a few more, because mm-hmm. there's only a few and then we're trying to make our insurance pay. So that was difficult. We ended up sending him to Florida for six weeks because that's where they accepted our insurance and it was a great place. And that was a, a wonderful thing for him. And, and, you know, thank God it was because otherwise we'd be flying out there to like pick him up or something.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but as far as imposter syndrome goes, it's that, that feeling of like, how do we know how to do this? How do we, mm-hmm. how do I trust myself that I'm going to make the right decisions or, or did I already screw everything up? Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, wow, failure. I can't do any of this. How did my kid end up this bad? Like, why did I miss mm-hmm. the signs? I'm obviously not a good mom. Like, of course, you turn into all the those thoughts, those self yeah. not just limiting beliefs, but like self defeating thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I think learning to uh, remember. I mean, because I've I've learned this before, but I think you have to you have to relearn a lot of lessons. So learning to really detach from his problem. Love him as a person, but detach from the problem he was having, obviously support him and get him the help he needs, but, but not, it's not my problem. I mean, that mm-hmm. and sounds awful and I always like hate saying that word detachment, but it really is about letting go of the, I guess the drama of it, mm-hmm. right? I think you would yes. probably say it better, but, but letting him be responsible for his actions and letting myself be responsible for my own actions. And I am a big believer of like just radical responsibility. Like how mm-hmm. how is my just sitting here in this room right now, changing whatever my be happening <laughs> you know how is yes. how can I take responsibility mm-hmm. for myself in this moment how, mm-hmm. how can I you know when I'm in a car accident even if I'm hit from behind I woke up and got out of bed at that time and got in my car at that time and I showed up at that time so how can I take responsibility it doesn't mean blame but how can I take responsibility so mm-hmm. I think for me that's kind of how imposter syndrome, Shows mm-hmm. up in parenting, it, it might feel a little weird to people to call it that because it you're essentially saying, Oh, I feel like an imposter as a parent, but sometimes we do. I mean, sometimes I I don't know when you go to pick up and everyone, all these yoga mommies are like dressed all cute <laughs> in the afternoon and you're still in the yoga pants and you're like, I didn't even do yoga. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I've definitely had those moments of imposter syndrome, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. A- no,
0: I hear you. And all I can keep saying as you're telling that story is just, Every day. Yes, 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 I feel that too. you you know, <laughs> because yeah. it's so true. Whether your child is hurting for some reason or is going through something or getting a C on a class yeah. that they shouldn't be in they haven't handed in one piece of homework, you know, right. all year. You find oh, out gosh. whatever I'm- it is, it's like, oh my god, am I supposed like the oh like come am I supposed to be do-? like I it's oh like a God. tug of war it's like one part per- like someone's pulling me this way saying I should help my son make sure I he turns know. his stuff in the other side is pulling me like no he's got to learn and do it himself mm-hmm. right it's yes. not just when you said it's not your problem that was so refreshing mm-hmm. it, it is not like i'm like well it's not my problem if you get to see it, it's real it's not my problem is it but right but there is this push pull i don't know if that's imposter or it totally out or what but i, I feel don't know what that i do mean, so, yeah. so deeply
1: i i think too you know um listen i and i i think i've said this already but i'll say it again is that i am not perfect and i do not do this perfectly i do not walk around saying oh my goodness, that was a limiting belief. I'm going to change it right now. You know, (laughs) but I think what's good is that I'm, my kids are older and I've, I've, come to this place in my life where, you know, I mean, listen, we all swear around this place, which I never thought we would do as a family. And it's like, now the F-bombs just fly. And my <laughs> son is learning to drive. And I, I, I don't think I said the F word, but I definitely screamed at one point. I was like, ah, cause he was going to hit a car or something. And he said, mom, that is not helpful. And at least he didn't yell back, but he's like, mom, that's not helpful. And I said, you know what? I, I am sorry. I was scared and I let out a a scared sound Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that's yeah right i mean we can't always be like let me think how i want to respond in this
0: moment Hmm. right or calmly because i've been in that (laughs) situation too my daughter's driving yeah and, and we're learning and all of a sudden she does not <laughs> yield in a yield oh and there is a car coming and it's ah! like and you know I don't you know I can't I can't be like calmly be like right. hey no you're like dude you gotta look I mean like, you have got to look okay no harm no foul no one got hurt we're yeah. still alive we could keep going but yeah totally everyone is, we're yeah. all human we're yeah. all they're human to make the mistakes of the that they're making and we're human to yeah. their mistakes but just to have a reaction yeah, yeah. And so I I
1: think a lot of this stuff with the limiting beliefs and the imposter syndrome or having a moment or whatever is going on, it's all a practice. And I mean, I definitely, you know, I meditate and I've gotten back to my yoga practice, which is amazing. And I hope I stick with it. But that's a practice. And it's this is life is a practice. We're not. You know, if we can just not think about yesterday and not worry about tomorrow and really try to stay in the moment, not worrying and obsessing and being controlling, then we're going to be in this practice of doing things out of love and reacting or or hopefully responding out of love instead of out of fear. Then I think we're all doing the best we can. And from there, it'll be fine. You know, at the end of the day, especially all these kids that have gone through COVID and going to school and, Mm -hmm. you know, parents with a little bit older kids, um, they don't have self-worth. They don't have self-esteem. They're, you know, especially the teenage years, middle school years, that's a really tough time. I mean, you can't tell me that those kids aren't having these moments of imposter syndrome or, Um, self-doubt or, you know, lacking self-esteem and self-worth. I remember being in middle school and and being handed the map to like, go find your classes. Oh God. (laughs) And I remember trying to be cool. Like maybe they won't notice I'm looking at this map and then, and just thinking, Oh man, just whatever. I don't know. I can't not look at the map, you Mm know, like I'm just gonna, what am I even doing here? Can I just go back to elementary school? You know? And I, I mean, if I thought that then, then obviously these kids are having these moments when they're doubting themselves. And I think when you as a parent can learn how to manage your own imposter syndrome, maybe come up with your own mantras and your own ways of getting over your limiting beliefs, you're mm. then able to pass that along. Now, again, do I pass that along to do I sit there and say, Hey, is that a limiting belief? I mean, I don't do that all the time, because th- they would probably push me out of the family. But <laughs> that's not going to go over well. But I at least can sort of guide that I don't know, in my own way, you know, try to find little. Yeah, you know, right.
0: just asking them, is oh, that absolutely. true? Yeah, because I can see, you know, I have teens as well. And yeah. oh, goodness, what a I mean this time period alone is difficult enough, yeah. you know, whether it's just the teens or the world we're in is both mm-hmm. together. is just a bomb waiting to yeah. explode. Right. But yeah, she'll say things, you know, and, and I'll listen and I'll say, you know, is it really that your friend isn't calling yeah. you back? And, or is it, you know, is that really true? The story you have just made up about tonight, you know, what everyone's doing and you're not mm-hmm. is that really a true story, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it does make her think. Yeah, I mean they must go through that all the time. So mm-hmm. it's just uh, you need to write a book on teens and imposter moments. Yeah. <laughs> that's your next one.
1: Yeah, that's a that's actually not a bad idea. Um yeah. you know, I I will say um I will say this one this one thing about that. So a little bit of a tangent. A lot of the Google alerts kept coming up that this is a a women's issue and this is a um an issue for minority women and women. And Mm -hmm. while I definitely can understand how it might feel worse for women and for women of color, and I'm not a woman of color. I mean, I'm white. So I don't, I don't, I don't relate to that, you know, feeling. I can understand how that would be worse, but I like to differentiate it because an imposter Mm -hmm. syndrome really comes from within. It's all about your own self-doubt. Now, again, it could feel like it's worse, um, my, my only statement about this is that research was originally done on women. And so that's why it probably comes up. The original study, you know, was done on women. And so most women feel this. Well, later there was a study done on both men and women. And it was, it was found that it was absolutely equal. There was no difference mm-hmm. in splendor. And the reason why I'm talking about this is that men often, well, don't talk about it. Men mm-hmm. are more likely to keep this quiet or not go tell the world they have imposter syndrome as a CEO. So that's probably why it's not out there as much in mm-hmm. the public eye. Now, back to teenagers, I don't think they know what this is, right? They don't, they don't know what this is. They've heard the word confidence probably and they've heard um, self-esteem but I don't know that they even know what really self-worth efficacy or all of those kinds of terms. And I think that's kind of where some of this stuff can be spoken about or encouraged or, you know, Mm. taught, I guess.
0: Going back to the man, it's just funny because even before coming um, and recording with you, my husband goes, Oh, what's your topic? I'm like imposter syndrome. And he's like, he laughs. He goes, are you talking about me? I mean, Aww, that's my life. you know. Like, cute. he never thinks of himself the way other people look at him. Yeah, he's very successful. He's done so many amazing things. And he just feels like the stupid kid in the class. Right. You know? Well, mm-hmm.
1: my husband um, comes across he's, he is very smart. He really, I feel like he's probably one of the smartest people I know. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know that he would say that about himself, but you definitely think he thinks that. Not not an arrogant or anything, but just, you know, a, a smart guy. And he always um, would tell me how, his report took so long to write, like I had to write this proposal and it took me you know, five days instead of one because I couldn't get this right. And I, I started to recognize that he has perfectionism and mm-hmm. that is a major form of imposter syndrome. So when uh-huh. you are being a perfectionist, you don't feel good enough. You are doubting that this is going to actually be good. You're doubting that someone's going to read it and, and it's going to, you know, they're going to accept it or whatever, even a LinkedIn post, If you're like taking eight days to write one there, there's probably some perfectionism going on. Just put it out there, right? That's what they yes. said. Like done yes. is better than perfect. And there's no such mm-hmm. thing as perfect. So when he started to say that, mm-hmm. I was like, wait, is that imposter syndrome? And I started asking him about his own experiences with imposter moments or whatever and he's like oh absolutely and i couldn't have been more surprised really because we haven't really talked about that before i guess you know like mm-hmm. what about yourself what because he just seems very sure of himself actually and not like he doubts himself so yeah
0: i can't think that there would be anyone who doesn't have a little bit of this um are there people out there that don't have imposter syndrome well- i mean
1: I guess so my dad is probably gonna listen to this podcast. So hi dad. He's the one person. He has been the one person who has told me that he doesn't have imposter syndrome. And here's my thought on that.
0: So Uh he,
1: he also is he's an engineer. And engineers are tough ones. They pretty much think they know everything, right? And they probably do. They're really smart. They know how things work. They know how computers work. They know how air conditioning works, like that stuff, just from one degree. But they do. So they're born that way. <laughs> they have that kind of brain. He um, is basically sort of an inventor, and he's also the lead subject matter expert on a specific type of transportation. Like, so when he goes and speaks at a conference, no one knows what he's talking about. I mean, they've heard of it, but they don't understand all the nuances. So when, yeah, when he's on the stage, he is the expert. So no, of course he's not going to feel like an imposter because he knows his stuff. And he knows if anyone in that audience says anything, he will know the answer. So that's, Pretty cool confidence in that moment. I'm sure if we dug a little deeper,
0: I maybe, was gonna say like go back to when he like exactly. as a dad, as right. a dad, like him right. like yeah. how did you feel actually when or or now right like exactly as so a grandpa
1: true. or yeah like, a lot of things I'm sure mm-hmm. he felt some kind of self doubt around. Yeah, um, I was just probably so shocked when he said that I was like I gotta go like I don't know because <laughs> I've never heard anyone say they didn't have it. So, yeah, Yeah. different. Most people will like a good example of feeling like an imposter is when you're if you are on stage, you are freaking out because you're afraid someone is going to stand up and say you are full of it. What do you know about this topic? Right. Like we all have that moment instead Mm -hmm. of the the I know everything. Nobody can question me moment. So, yeah, only
0: one I've ever heard, to be honest. Wow. Okay. And it's your dad. Yeah. And you're writing this book. So tell us a little bit about your book. So it will I had
1: a pre sale, which is over. It was like a Kickstarter campaign sort of thing that my publisher had me do. But um, it will be out on Amazon in October. So it's still a ways away, which is good, because I'm literally still working on edits. But yeah, it'll be out in October. And it really is, like I said, the stories I tell are definitely for everyone. You know, I tell a story about General Petraeus, who I was able to interview and how he had a moment of imposter syndrome. Now talk about imposter syndrome. I had to ask him this four time decorated war veteran. um, Have you ever had a moment when you, you know, doubted yourself? (laughs) Oh Oh, my gosh, I was so nervous to ask that question. I just thought he would look me in the eye on zoom and be like, are you kidding? I'm a freaking general. Like, what do you yeah, think?
0: I'm your well, dad. Don't you remember? Yeah. Having and even It <laughs> was like, Oh, absolutely.
1: So uh-huh. I tell that story in my book. It's a pretty short story, but um, I talk about that. Um, Tiffany Haddish, you know, we had a, a chance to interview her and she talks about how just even putting out her book, which is a bunch of short stories about her life. And, you know, she came from a pretty rough, background. So she talks about like, who am I to even write a book? Who am I to even think anybody wants to read a book, let alone Mm -hmm. her being like totally famous actress and comedian. So it's just pretty rampant, I guess. And I talk a lot about that in the book. And then I also talk about just an HR director and how she didn't want to get up on stage, you know, stuff like that. So it's Mm -hmm. it's kind of a a book for everyone.
0: Yeah. Personal stories. And I did see, I think you had uh, uh, like maybe a promotional Video out Uh on Facebook or something, and it was so great because I had these little quotes. And there was one from Michelle Obama, and it was like, Um, Yeah, I had to overcome that I'm good enough, or something like that. Yes, and I I was just like, Whoa, and I was like, This is Michelle Obama, Obama. like he even has doubts, which made me just feel good, (laughs) you know, crazy.
1: yeah, And when you think about who has um, Maya Angelou, there's another quote by her in my book mm-hmm. um, because she says, "Some I've written eleven books. Like, why aren't they going to come tell me to stop? You know, like who are you to write a book?" Kind of thing.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, it's crazy
1: yeah, crazy quotes. Um, and yeah, it's it was fun to do. I did a little promotional video. It's on YouTube. You could probably Google it. Like. Candice Kingston, uh-huh. imposter moment. Um, that was fun to do and to talk about the book. But I think this book would be great for business owners or people with teams, but people who have kids, anybody really with anyone in their life, <laughs> any mm-hmm. relationship. It's a good thing to have that self-awareness. And that's really what this is all about. It's about understanding who you are. What does hold you back? And so that you're able to potentially get over
0: those things. Well, I'm excited about it. I'm going to, I'm going to read it. And I apparently I have a lot to work (laughs) through. So I'll get myself some coaching. It'll be great. (laughs) Yeah,
1: no. And I think that's really the point. So thank you for saying that one more time, because Uh we all have this and we can all get over it. And if we understand that about each other, right? Have I don't know if you ever had this moment where they, you know, you walk into let's just say the mall and there's some fancy lady and she's wearing fancy clothes and you're just thinking, wow, she's got her shit put together and she's perfect and amazing. And then you kind of remind yourself, wait, I bet she's not right. Like I bet she has those times when she's doubting herself or she's, i um, afraid she's going to slip in those shoes or whatever. Right. Like you kind of remind mm-hmm. yourself that I don't know that we're all human and you just have yeah. to remember that. And that's kind of where this book has been born from is this moment of like, I want everyone to know that it is okay. We all have these moments.
0: And I love that you say we are all human. That's just so great. Cause there are times like when I'm doing this podcast and I have people on that have done lots of amazing things like yourself but it's like, I'm like, I'm a mom, you know, I have a job, you know, <laughs> but yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not anyone. I'm like, why am I even talking to these people? Right. Uh, so, but then I remember that's what I say to myself. I said, yeah. you know, I'm just talking to another mom. I'm just, yeah. just a human. Yeah. And that's like always such a big thing for me. Like we're all, we are all human and therefore we can all relate to each other. Yeah. 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 It's so, so, so cool. It's so true. And I, yeah, I hope you
1: get the book. Cause there are some really good stories. I'd love to Like talk for another hour, but that's okay.
0: (laughs) We'll have to do a take two. Yeah, but I do want to ask you just to share with all parents that are listening what has been your favorite parenting resource.
1: Um, I think that is a such a great question, and unfortunately, not unfortunately, I shouldn't say that. I'm going to share one that. Again, like if you don't want to be a member of this club, but if you are out there listening and you need a little bit of support, so if if a lot of your listeners are in Colorado, if your child has a problem with marijuana or Mm -hmm. any kind of dependency or eating disorders or cutting or anything like that, there are programs out there. I won't obviously list them all. Please reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk to you about it. There is a resource, though, that I would love to share, and it's there's a woman who used to be a motivational speaker, and her name is Laura Stack. Her son, unfortunately, committed suicide, but it was as a result of total marijuana dependency, like dabbing a ton and anyway, Mm -hmm. killed himself. And in his honor, she has basically stopped doing what she was doing and created something um amazing. And she has a website called johnny'sambassadors.org. And where she lists, you know, there's education about uh, all of this stuff. And then there's also a ton of resources like, like AA meetings or, or narcotics anonymous, or, you know, mm. everything that's out there rehabs, like all different stuff. And I did not know about that when my son was going through his issues. Um And I think it would be so helpful if, you know, yeah, Struggling, or you know, someone I mean, let's face it, we all at least know someone whose kid is struggling. So it's um, J O H N N Y S and then ambassadors. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I would offer.
0: That is great, that is so helpful. Um, because I think those resources are so hard to find. And when you find a good resource, that's why we need to share it. And so that's why I like to ask this question um, now for the podcast, because I find that people have such great resources that we don't know about. And we don't know
1: about it. Right. So, yeah. And honestly, I'm seriously very serious about this. If anybody wants to reach out to me about, how to get your kid help, I don't have all the answers, but I can definitely point you in some very good directions.
0: Yeah, great. Well, thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, I'm truly excited about your book coming out and all the work that you're doing and just your insights that you really shared. And thanks for being so kind of vulnerable and honest Mm -hmm. about everything. Yeah. I am an open book <laughs> for
1: sure <laughs> and I'm glad that my son is too and he's said, you know, mom, if I can help one person by telling my story, please share it. So, thank you so much for having me on and I really appreciate it and I I loved I love listening to your podcast and now I was able to be on it, so it was an honor. So, thank you so much, Lisa.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode. Candace has given us so much valuable information and steps we can take in dealing with our own limiting beliefs and imposter moments. Remember, when you're in these moments, ask yourself, is this really true? Come join us on our Facebook group where we can support one another as we conquer our own imposter syndrome. And don't forget to follow Real Life Moms so you don't miss an episode.